Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor David Eldridge. Jeremy mentioned, and you heard Bo say as well, we're starting this 21 days of dedication. And there's multiple ways that you can engage, and they'll be there on the screen. You can click on that QR code if you want more details. That first one, just to explain a little bit, 21-day fast. Uh, I started mine today. Some people, I think, are starting tomorrow. You can grab a donut from Matt, start yours after you eat the donut. Whatever you want to do for 21 days. A Daniel fast is a partial fast. So this is not no food for 21 days. In general, it would be no animal products and no choice food. And you can define what choice Food is. So you're thinking vegan diet plus whatever your version of choice food is. For me, it's anything sweet, so I've cut those. I did this last year. I wound up, I, I thought I liked things that I don't normally like, but I really, it was just for three weeks. So I ate avocados for three weeks and thought, oh, these are pretty good. And then afterward, I was, why would anybody choose that if you had another <laughs> option? I found a salad at this place that had fried beets on it. I've never even eaten a beet. And by the end, I was ordering extras. And somebody said, I think that's a choice food because it's fried. And I said, I think it's a prison ration. We can agree to disagree <laughs> on that. So you decide. Choice food for you before the Lord. And uh, so I would love, if you've never fasted, this is honestly a pretty easy way to get into it because you're not having to go a, a day or more without eating. You're just cutting uh, a food group or two. Um, and I do think the 21 days, it's a decent amount of time, uh, it, long enough that you actually, there's a little bit of change involved spiritually, but not so long that you can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'd encourage you to get on board with that if you're uh, medically able to do so. Um, we'll have worship nights from 7 to 8 in here for the next three Wednesdays, uh, child care up through fifth grade, or you can bring, bring your kids with you if you think they'd want to participate We'll open up the sanctuary on Tuesdays from 11 to 1. Just have some music playing in the background if you want to pray. One thing we heard from y'all last year was more touch points during the week. So Matt put together uh, a devotional guide. It's a Monday to Saturday deal. It's a mix of videos, scripture, and reflection questions. So you're sitting on a hard copy of that. And then all of that will be sent out electronically as well. And then Bo's pulling together a playlist um, for each week's theme. So just, just opportunities. That's all we're trying to do here. Different ways to engage the idea. A lot of times in January, we resolve to do things. And what we're doing instead is saying, God, we yield. Uh, how do you want to use us? Everything that we have and everything that we are is a gift from you. And we're acknowledging that and offering ourselves and all that we have back to you, however you see fit to use us in 2022. That's what we want. And so again, everything that we have and all that we are, we submit, we dedicate to you. Danger in doing something like this, one of them is we're focused on our activity because that's what we control. We're fasting and we're worshiping and we're praying and a subtle idea creeps in subconsciously. Hey, God probably owes me. I ate avocados for three weeks. Like he, I, there should be some payback. I dedicated my business to the Lord. That thing better succeed. None of us would, if that was said explicitly, we would all say, well, that's just not true. But again, it's a subtle and it's a subconscious idea. The enemy will kind of slip it in there when you're doing something like this. And we just want to be aware of that. So 
uh, maybe a framework for understanding these practices or disciplines. You can think of them as, as cups or buckets. You can think of God up there somewhere and he's raining down grace. Think of that like water. And these spiritual practices or disciplines is just ways of catching the water so that you can actually benefit from it. It's a cup, it's a bucket to catch the grace that God is pouring out. It certainly is not leveraging God. We're not controlling God. God doesn't owe us anything. That's why it's called grace. It's all freely given. And all we're doing is trying to position ourselves to receive that. So that's what we will, what we will be doing over the next three weeks. And I hope you can participate uh, in whatever ways uh, you feel led to do so. So John 15 will be the passage that we circle around. We're going to read just two verses today. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So this is not going to be rainbows and butterflies today. Um, we're starting with pruning. That's where we begin. The idea ultimately is... We want to be filled, but honestly, most of us are so full already. There's got to be an emptying before God can fill us. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So in this, these two verses, in this metaphor, three main characters, you've got Jesus is the vine, the Father's the gardener, we're the branches, and the activity is cutting. Every branch is cut. Some are cut away and some are cut back. And so we want to focus on this idea of pruning today. So we're going to do that by looking at a, a, a familiar parable from Mark chapter 4. As, uh, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times, down to verse 14. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and, it, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on the good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So two different metaphors, I think, communicating the same truth. In verse 8 of Mark chapter 4, that word for the, the ground produces a crop, that's the same word in John 15 too for the fruit, uh, excuse me, the branch bears fruit. That word produce and that word bear, they're, they're the exact same word. So to me, I, I see the good soil, this soil that produces 30, 60, 100 times or that bears a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown as the same uh, thing as the branch that bears fruit. They're referring to the same kind of a person. And that's someone who's receptive 
to the message of Jesus. That's what the seed is. The message, uh, the seed is the message of Jesus, and the soil is, is the heart condition of the person who hears the message of Jesus. So if we, if we can switch back to the John 15 metaphor, there's a picture there. That's what we want. We want to be that kind of a branch that produces that kind of fruit. But in order to get there, we first have to be this kind of branch. And that's honestly not always fun. It's a pretty severe pruning that these grape vines go through. There, there's a cutting for all of us. For some, and we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, what does it mean to be cut off? But for those of you in this room, it's, it's a cutting away. It's a pruning back. It's, it, it's, it's getting rid of the things that would prevent us from bearing fruit, from being that soil that, that produces 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. So again, not light and fluffy today, but it's step one for us in these 21 days of dedication. We have to begin with emptying. So my theory, God's always at work trying to conform us into the image of his son. That, that's Romans 8, 29. That's what he's always doing, which is another way of saying he's always making us more fruitful. The more we look like Jesus, the more fruitful we will be. From God's perspective, that work is pruning. It's a cutting back, a cutting away of the things that prevent us from bearing fruit, a cutting back or a cutting away of the parts of us that don't accurately reflect who Jesus is. From our perspective, that same work is repentance. Repentance is about changing your mind. It's a change of mind which then leads to a change of behavior. It's moving from disagreeing with God to agreeing with God about something. So when we're, convic when we're convicted of sin, we repent. We acknowledge this behavior, this attitude is wrong. It's missing the mark. I've transgressed the law of love. I'm outside the will of God. I'm doing my own thing. However you understand it, that's what we're doing when we repent. I acknowledge that I'm walking in the wrong direction, and now I'm going to begin to walk in the right one. Sometimes, and I think, that, well, actually, I think it's a lot of times, I think one of God's primary ways of conforming us into the image of Jesus is to use our circumstances, not necessarily circumstances that he causes, but just the kind of bumps and bruises of life to get our attention particularly the suffering parts of life. We've talked before, what comes out of us when we're squeezed? It's what's actually in us. We can hide a lot of those things in our heart, but when we're squeezed, they come out, and they're out here for us and everybody else to see and to hear. Not so easy to justify them, to rationalize them, and, and impossible to hide them. And oftentimes, that's when God says, see, that, that's an area that needs to be addressed. There's an area for growth, that's an area for maturity that needs to be looked at. So there's direct conviction of sin, but there's also, again, just kind of the, the circumstances of life that can tend to produce at least a low-level suffering, if not more. Not saying God causes that, but he uses that to show us what's actually going on inside us. Here's some areas where we're coming up short when it comes to being conformed into the image of Jesus. Here's some areas where we need to grow, where we need to mature. That work, again, from God's perspective is pruning. From our respect, perspective, it's repentance. God, I recognize I don't look like Jesus in this area. He's patient, I'm not. He's kind, I'm not. He has faith, I don't. Whatever it is, those areas God will point out to us, again, oftentimes in the midst of suffering. 
So these three types of soil, that's what we want to look at today. What are these three types of soil, these three conditions of our heart? Don't think about these as static categories. I'm this, or I'm this, or I'm this, or I'm this. Most of us, at any point in time, we're a mix. We're a mixture of these different types of soil. And so, again, don't get hung up on what category you fall into. I think that's probably pressing the parable a bit too far. Just as we're walking through, just be asking the Holy Spirit, bring conviction to me. That first type of soil, it's, it's hard soil. So uh, a farmer, these guys, the men, they wore robes. They put the seed in the fold of their robe. And then they would walk around and they would, it's called broadcast sowing. And then they would come back afterwards and they would till the ground. They would, they would sow and then till. We do the opposite. Uh, we till and then we sow. And so, again, if the soil is on the path, don't think trail at Kennesaw Mountain, think sidewalk out here. That's how hard it would be, as hard as concrete. It's not getting tilled in. And so that seed is not penetrating the ground. It gets snatched away by birds, and Jesus says those birds represent Satan. The message of Jesus doesn't take root. That's that hard soil, that's a resistant heart. And those of you that I know in the room, you've made a decision to follow Jesus, so you would say, that's not me. I didn't resist, and that's wonderful. I want to ask you just to take a minute and say, God, is there a place where my heart is beginning to grow calloused towards you? Am I developing some calluses on my heart? Easy to trust Jesus in certain areas. Easy to trust him with our spiritual life. I I believe Jesus has forgiven me of my sins, and because of my faith and trust in him, I'm going to spend forever with God when I die. That can be an easy one. In some ways, it could be easy to trust Jesus morally. He lived a great life and we can say, I'm going to WWJD and whatever these situations are. I'm going to do that because he lived a moral life and I want to live one as well. It can become hard though to trust him in other areas. We can become resistant when it comes to maybe something like work. Have you ever said it's just business? There's no such thing. The thing about kings is they're, they're absolute rulers. He's not content with 90%. He wants all of it. In your work life, do you trust him? That's ultimately where this gets down to. I think the resistance in us as followers of Jesus, it's an area where we just don't trust fully. Sometimes we don't trust, honestly, because we think God let us down in that area in the past. And when it comes to our work life, we might say, God wants me to be poor, and I don't want to be poor. He's going to tell me to turn down the promotion. He's going to make me move across the country. He's going to lead me into a bum career. There can be any number of reasons. And we don't want to, we don't want to trust God with our career. With our career. Jesus never had to fight it out, and I have, and so I I don't know what he's going to do. A lot of you are parents. It's easy on some level to say, I trust God with my kids, but oftentimes what we mean with that is I trust God to do what I want with my kids. We have the same plan for them. I trust God to protect my kids and to bless them in my version of what blessing is. When was the last time as a parent you said, God, I pray that you would conform my son or my daughter into your image, knowing that the most likely will invite some level of suffering into their life? Same tools he uses for you, he uses for them. As parents, when we see our kids struggle, we want to swoop in and save the day. Sometimes when we do that, we're short-circuiting the work that God wants to do. Ask him, is there an area where I'm resisting you? Again, ultimately, it comes down to trust. We need to repent of our pride. When we think pride, sometimes we think arrogance. That can be, I think, the fruit of pride. To me, pride at at root, it's independence. 
is this belief that I can live my life just fine on my own. I don't need him. I don't need him. If you're resistant, that's the peace that you need to begin to look at. God, I'm, I'm, I'm living independently of you. I, I trust myself more than I trust you with my money or with my marriage or with my career, whatever it is. That's pride. You got to ask him. I need you to soften my heart. That Hosea 6 passage there might be a good passage for you. You repent and then you say, all right, God, I need you to, the, the rain of your presence, the rain of your grace on my heart, softening it up. The rocky soil, it's shallow, so it receives a seed, a plant grows up, but then in the heat of the day, it withers because it doesn't have any root. Heat, Jesus says, that's trouble or persecution because of the word. So for us, I would say, that's when it gets difficult to follow Jesus, when following Jesus actually costs us something. Our love for him, it's not, it's not strong enough to see us through the suffering, to see us through the difficulty. And so we quit. And most of us would say, well, I would never do that. That's not me. And honestly, up until two years ago, I thought, that's not, we're not going to experience, like, look where we live. There's, we're not going to experience any level of persecution because of our faith in Jesus. And so it's, it's almost a non-issue for us. We want to have roots that are deep enough. We want to stand firm to the end and be saved. But are we actually, are any of us going to be squeezed to the point that, it act, that, that that's going to be tested? In the last couple of years, there has been some testing, and it actually hasn't had anything, I think, to do with our relationship with Jesus. It's just kind of this general suffering that people have endured, COVID and COVID mandates, and, and we had George Floyd's death and the response to that and the 2020 election and economy going up and down. All kind of, and, and, and again, those were not, it's not suffering because of Jesus. It's just some level of unrest in our community and honestly and this isn't pointing fingers at anybody just when I step back and look at capital C church I don't know that we acquitted ourselves super well in the midst of that I don't know how many people on the outside will look at the response again of the capital C church and say you know those guys were denying themselves and taking up their cross and how many of them would say that sounds like a whole lot of people were demanding their rights and trying to protect themselves I'm wondering on the roots piece I'm wondering on that shallow soil, do we love ourselves more than we love the Lord? And for, you know, granted, living here in this Bible Belt affluent area, rarely are we pushed in that. Like most of us, honestly, we just don't know. Like we think we love the Lord more than we love ourselves, but that's never really put to the test. We're never put in a position where we have to choose him over us for any significant way or any way that actually may cost us something that actually matters. And so I would encourage you just to step back again and just don't dismiss that question too quickly. And let's ask the Lord, guys, do I? Do I love you more than I love me? Do I actually know what it is to deny myself and take up my cross? Am I willing to lay down my rights? just because you asked me to. I would just, just ask and see if something comes to mind. And then last, and this to me for 15 years since we've had, since we've been, uh, Stonebridge has been in existence, I thought this defines Marietta. It's the, it's the thorny soil. It's so crowded. 
So many things going on. Jesus calls it the the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, our desires for other things, worries of this life. It's, it's, it's what it is. It's the things that concern you. What keeps you up at night? Nothing. All right, well, what are the one or two or three things that you think about when you're not thinking about anything else? Those things are most likely good things, but they are concerns and they can consume us. At a minimum, I think it's helpful to name them so you can offer them to the Lord and say, hey, this, this thing's weighing on me. I'd like you to take care of it. This thing's weighing on me. I want to trust you with it. We can get consumed with the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth. So money promises that it can meet your needs, and the deceit behind it is it can't. The most money can do is meet your physical or your material needs temporarily. That's it. And it can't meet any of your most significant needs. Heart needs, none of them. I saw a study and it said that uh, in America, people who make more than $105,000 a year, their likelihood of being less satisfied with their life and struggling with mental illness goes up once you cross that $105,000 a year threshold and their kids are more likely to struggle with depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. Now that doesn't mean everybody who makes more money than that is got a mental, you know, a, a mental health issue. To me, what it shows is the deceitfulness of wealth. What wealth says, if you get enough of me, then you're not going to have to worry about anything. You get enough of me, and you can take care of whatever's going on in your life. Jesus says no, and this science says it as well. It confirms. There's nothing to it. Wealth is deceitful. And then uh, desires for other things, that's exactly what you think. It's not just stuff. It's anything other than Jesus. The repentance piece for us. If, if shallow soils, I love myself more than I love God, the thorny soul, soil is, or, or the crowded heart is, I, I love the world more than I love the kingdom of God. It's worldliness is what people used to call it. I love the world more than I love the kingdom of God, and that's totally where we live. And the thing for most of us is what have become thorns in our lives were good gifts that God has given to us. And we've just, we've overemphasized them. We've placed too much importance on those good gifts. And so they become idols. So rather than being something that we can enjoy, they become something that we serve. They dominate our affection. They dominate our attention. They dominate our time, our energy. Our, our priorities are misaligned. And we need to repent. And ask the Lord, show me. Where are the weeds? If you live here, there are weeds in your heart. Like, there's not a, it's not a question of if, it's a question of what. We live in one of the weediest places around. And we need to be cognizant of that. And constantly be asking the Lord. And that can be a bit scary. Is he going to pull it out? Maybe. He's a good gardener. But the good gardener is also a good father. He knows what's best. And so we want to give him the freedom to do that. That pruning piece. Is there something that needs to be pulled out? It could be a matter of just realigning a priority or maybe walking away from something for a time. I don't know. We want to trust him as a good gardener, as a good father to do that work. So I want to lead you in a time of prayer. God's not going to give you seven things. It's one, maybe two. 
All of this is process, journey, nobody's arrived, and we won't. Again, don't think in terms of static categories. We're all a mixture. So if you're willing to personalize this prayer, you can pray it in your own words, in your heart, or you can just agree with what I'm saying if that's easier for you. Father, as we begin these 21 days of dedication, I want to open myself up to you as the gardener of my life. And I want to give you permission to prune, to cut away anything that you determine hinders fruitfulness in me. Anything in me that doesn't look like Jesus. I give you the freedom now to cut that away. If you're not there yet, that's too hard to pray, you can pray this. God, I want to pray that, but I can't with honesty. And so I pray over these next few weeks, you would make me willing to pray that prayer. That I would come to a place where I, I trust you enough as a father to allow you to prune me. Or if you like the image better, to discipline me as a child. But if you're willing to let him, then let's just walk through those three. Holy Spirit, would you show me if there's a place in my heart where I've developed a callus, where I'm resisting your word to me. I'm trusting myself over you, where I'm living independently of you. Show me. If something comes to your mind and you're willing to repent, I would encourage you to do that. God, I repent. I acknowledge my pride in that area of my life. And I pray that you would soften my heart. I want to acknowledge you as king in that area and trust that you'll come to me like the rain and that you'll soften those hard places in my heart. Second, Holy Spirit, I, I pray you would show me the depth of my roots. I want to be one who stands firm to the end and is saved. I don't want to fall away if it becomes difficult to follow Jesus. I don't know what it means living in Marietta in 2022 to take up my cross and follow you. But I want to be willing to do that. So would you show me? Do I love me more than I love you? Same thing. Repent. Prayer like this. God, I pray that you would strengthen me. That you would give me power know how wide and high and long and deep is your love for me in Jesus to know this love that surpasses knowledge if I get a, a glimpse 
of your great love for me because you first loved me. I think I'll be able to respond in love to you. I pray you deepen my roots. Last. God, I pray you'd show show me the, the, the thorns, the weeds that are choking out your word in my life, the places where I'm loving this world more than I'm loving your kingdom. That one may hurt a little bit. Father, it's difficult for me to think about releasing that to you. But again, I want to trust you not just as a good gardener, but as a good father who, know what's, who knows what's best. So even with knees knocking and hands shaking, I surrender that. Him, her, that. I surrender and I trust you. Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone in the room, students, adults, people who've been walking with you, Jesus, for a long time, people who are just at the beginning. I pray that these next three weeks would be a time of deepening our understanding of who you are, growing in intimacy with you. I pray it would also be a time when you do prune us for the sake of us over the course of this year being ones who bear fruit that brings honor and glory to you. So we open ourselves to you. We just sang that song, I Surrender, and we do. We surrender ourselves fully and completely to you, asking you to work these next three weeks. And we pray that these next three weeks wouldn't just be a blip on the calendar and then we go back to doing whatever we want. You would mark us during this time in a way that would have impact, not just this year, but for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. So uh, Bo's going to close us with a song. You can sing if you want. Um, you can continue to have some time with the Lord in your seat. You can come up here and kneel if that outward expression is helpful for you. Then we would love for you to do that. We'll leave you alone if you do. Um, we do just want to give you a, a bit more time. Uh, if, if you felt like the Lord brought something to your mind, you may want to make a note of that wherever you keep notes, just so that you can follow up this week and make sure that you've um, understood what he's saying, that you've responded appropriately. So after a couple of minutes, Bo will dismiss us. Thank y'all. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 